Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. of prophecy how Jeremiah endured a great mission I don't want to get too much into the different ways God speaks in the different forms prophecy can be expressed I almost in a sense want to take just a, a high ground and, and look at the baseline I almost wanted to call this the bottom line of prophecy what is the most important things that God says to you that if by the grace of a spirit your ears and your eyes are open and you hear it and receive it will change your life forever and those of the people around you. I want to say that prophecy have a little bit of a bad name today because of those that has been stewarding the gift wrong, okay? So it's often mixed with manipulation. It's so easy. Hey, I've got a word for you. You get, need to give me money, <laughs> you know? Hey, I need, I've got a word for you. God said you're going to be my wife. You've got no choice. You've got no option. You know, we hear that if someone says that and you're a girl and you've got, I don't know, something like this close to you, you pick it up and you swing, okay? That's not how you lead a girl to fall in love with you by saying God said. So the the... Prophecy has gotten a bad rap, but let's get down to it. It's not just predicting the future. It's not being weird. The whole thing of prophecy is bringing God's word in application into all and every circumstance there is. The, the whole idea of some, someone stepping into an office and even saying, hey guys, I believe that God does not want us to lie about this number but be honest, that's a prophetic word, that, that you coming in and speaking God's truth. So it can be as simple as that, but it, it can also be abstract. Um, I've, I've heard many testimonies where someone, for example, I know this is the story of Sias, he would come, this one lady, and, and, and he keeps on seeing a rose, a rose, a rose, a rose. And he said, listen, I don't know what this means, but when I look at you, I see a rose. And then she started to cry because there was a thing about her husband that died. And when she was with roses, God said, I'll never leave you. And she needed a reminder. So sometimes it is abstract and, and the dots need to be connected. Sometimes when we prophesy, we make mistakes. We make mistakes. We, we, we say the wrong thing. And that's why the best place for prophecy is always a healthy congregation. Uh, let's say you have a dream. I had a dream the other night and I voice noted someone and said, listen, this is what I dream. I'll, I'll share it with you guys. I had a dream that um, there was people that invaded um, my, my home, the place where I lived. But it was like an army that came over the walls and I, I had to find a place to escape. But when I got the family into the car and we, and we tried to get away, there was a flat tire. And so that, that has put some very specific prayer direction into my life because sometimes it just means that there's a spiritual onslaught and that flat wheel can be my prayer life. <laughs> you know, no, no. So, so it's not in Scripture. It, it, it's something that God maybe wants to communicate with me. So what I do with it, I put it before His feet. 
I put it before his feet. Say, Lord, this may be the case, maybe not, but here I am consecrating myself to you. Um, you are our strength. You are our strength. Okay, so prophecy can be abstract, but it can literally be you speaking the truth, biblical truth, into a situation. Now, what did God say to Jeremiah to help him accomplish a great mission? Now, let's quickly look at this man's life. You're going to enjoy this. So sometimes you think, you know, God, you know, you can't really use me. I mean, I've got this circumstance. Those people don't like me. I've been through this hard time. I come from this family. I have to face these people at work. Surely you want to use other people, not me. Let's look at Jeremiah for a moment. So when the word of the Lord came, speaking about Jeremiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign, it came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now, all it is saying here is that there was a king that was kind of a good king. His name was Josiah. He was a good king in the sense that he was leading Israel to reform, to turn their hearts to God. However, he could not accomplish that fully, whether that's his mistake or the people, they were stiff-necked people. We don't know, but he was making an effort to connect the nation with God. But after him, Jehoiakim and, what's that other name? Zedekiah, it got worse, it got worse. So in a sense... The mission of Jeremiah started with Josiah doing all right, but from there, you get the image of him holding onto a slippery mountain, and it's going down, down, down. I mean, this man is speaking the word of God to two, three kings that refuse to listen year after year. You know, have you waited outside someone's door and just knocked, bah, bah, for days and years? Imagine, just imagine that, bah. But, and no one would listen. No one would open up. In a sense, that's the story of Jeremiah. He's also called the weeping prophet. There was times when this overwhelmed him. We think of these prophets as superhumans. There was time when almost like the manslicker, the, the, the realness of this prophet would be so evident that you would see yourself in his tears. We're going to look at one or two scriptures. This man had a confronting message. Listen more or less to his message, and this should hear straight through the book. Go and proclaim these words towards the north and say, Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you in anger. I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt. Look at God. I'm merciful. I want to forgive you. I want to be your love. I'm not calling you near to punish you. I'm calling you near to forgive you. That's his message. But he only found closed doors, this weeping prophet. This is an example of how they would, I'm just jumping around before we get to our core scripture. Um, the next slide, slide four, is an example of what the kings would do to this message of Jeremiah. And Je Jehudai read three or four columns as Jehudai read three or four columns, the king would cut them off. God gives Jeremiah a word. He writes it, sends it to the king. He reads it and he cuts it away. Do you feel like that sometimes? Now, after the king had burned the scroll, 
with the words that Barak wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Take another scroll, write on it again. Knocking on the door, knocking on the door, cutting off the message, burning it away. The weeping prophet. Let me tell you one thing about this man. He never gave up. Maybe, maybe your story at the moment is a little bit like Jeremiah. What does God want to say to you? What does he have to say over you tonight? Check this out. Jeremiah was often overcome with the burden of the mission. My anguish, my anguish. Look at that. The man's in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart. My heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sound, the alarm of war, the weeping prophet. Man with a message, but no one wants to hear it. Like church this morning, close to the World Cup rugby. Brown had a message. <laughs> so I phoned my friend at Stellenbosch. They've got an 11 o'clock service. So 9 o'clock English, Afrikaans, service 11. I asked him, Eugene, I was church attendance. He said, six people. <laughs> and three was visitors. <laughs> Sometimes a pastor feels like Jeremiah. Sometimes a small group leader feels like Jeremiah. A human just like us. Can you see that? Recently, I spoke to someone where basically, if I can summarize the conversation, I think what he said is, the walls of my heart is breaking. Where is God in all this? I'm telling you, he's right there. He's right there. Check this out. And the officials were enraged at Jeremiah, and they beat him. This is not Assyria coming into the country. This is the Jews. Okay? This is his family. This is his people. Those whom he are speaking to. They beat him and imprisoned him. Then, so they took Jeremiah, check this out, and cast him into a cistern. It's a pit. Into the cistern of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of a god, letting Jeremiah down with robes. And there was no water in the cistern, but only mud. And Jeremiah sank in the mud. So the idea is that you would die there of hunger. At some stage, you try to hydrate, maybe eat the mud, and, and you would die. All right? A eunuch, a man not from Israel, came and lowered down ropes and said, listen, put this under your arms that I can pull you up again. He was saved. Ultimately, you know when he got his break? Listen to this. This is the people that's supposed to love this man. Well, let's... This is... Okay, so he gets out of a pit. Okay, you'd think he'd back down. He gets out of the pit. It's the very next section. He says, all your wives and all your sons shall be led out to the Chaldeans. That's, that's a Babylon, the Babylonian army. And you yourself shall not escape from their hand, but shall be seized by the king of Babylon. This city shall be burned by fire. That's after getting out of the pit. Bah, bah, he's just going. What is stirring in this man? What does he have for breakfast? Because we need that. It's just, he's not backing down. Something is burning in his heart. Eventually, it is the enemy who shows Jeremiah kindness. Listen to this. Take him. This is the enemy speaking. King of Babylon. Look after him 
well and do him no harm. But deal with him as he tells him. And I mean, we're part of a problem, but sometimes, sometimes people walk out of church to find love. Help us, Lord, to love him back. Right? Maybe you feel like this, like the people you expect to love you has left you in a pit. What do you do? How do you go forward? The significance of prophecy, how Jeremiah endured a great mission. How can one man carry on and carry on and carry on? We have to go to the start of Jeremiah. Let's go there. We're going to read a section. Now the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah 1, saying, listen up, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, oh, Lord, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. But just listen to that. You know what I want to tell my son right there? I, I want to say to him, whomever I send you, you shall go, and when you speak, they will listen. That's what I want to say. I want to protect him. But listen to the words of God. You will go and you will speak. But <laughs> you will say, what I tell you to say. Pint. Then the Lord, he goes on, no promises. He says, he puts out his hand and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Very important. See, I have set you this day over the nations, over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build up, to plant. Great mission. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Now God is engaging with him. And I said, I see an almond branch. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. What does this mean if we go to the beginning and we're asking this question? Just where you are sitting, just close your eyes for a moment. Just breathe in. I've got a question for you. How are you going to complete your mission. What will you do when you knock with your heart or with your words, but the door stays closed? Are you ready? You can open your eyes. If you don't have all the answers, that's great. Because I believe God wants to Say a word into your heart. How do you carry on without giving up? We're going to focus on this piece we just read. Jeremiah 1 verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to the nations. In one sense, it's not important 
how people react to whom you go. It is important by whom you are sent. It is important by whom you are sent. And so the first thing I want to say tonight is when God speaks prophetically over you, He speaks peace to the storm of identity in every life, to every person. The first thing God has to deal with is that you know that it is He who made you and formed you and want to commission you. It's very important, and we see the very same pattern in the life of Jesus. We see God. It's not even prophetic in a sense when God speaks, because when it's prophetic, you're like watching. But when God speaks, He just speaks. He speaks over Jesus. He says, this is my son. My son. Before he goes out for a mission. How could he overcome such hostility? Lines on his back. Lies being spread about him. Being set up in court to fail. At the end dying. I mean, how do you continue? You have to start somewhere. And the place to start is not a skills development weekend. The place to start is not reading a leadership book by John Maxwell on how to manage you're calling. I mean, get, get leadership books if you want to. But it's not the bottom line of where it starts. You have to know whose you are. Because when others laugh in your face, when the door stays closed, you're not moved. Because when God sends you, how people react, doesn't match up. Are, are you with me? I must go fast because normally a sermon is three points and a poem. Now I've got five points tonight, so I need, to, I need to go. When God prophesies over you, he speaks peace to the storm of identity that rages in every life. Most of you here are not married yet. Most of you. So... Let me just share one or two things with you. And I just ask for grace for all the married people. Most people end up divorcing. Most. Because they never knew who they are before they got married. So the calling of, of, of marriage, you experience that closed door from your partner, it ends, the weight gets too much, and, and you break under it. Many marriages, I'm using marriage as an example because it's, it's an easy place to start. Many marriages crumble because the husband do not know who he is in Christ. So he believes he needs to spend up to the max to drive in something or live in a place to show people that he is something, someone. The pressure breaks at the end, right? When one credit card starts to knock the other one, the other one, the other one, and you break. This is where we start. We need to know what makes you significant. What makes you unique is not what you have, but whose you are. It is essential. We cannot go past this. And tonight, God is here moving among these chairs, wanting to put identity into each one of you guys. Because he loves you dearly. You are not fit for mission. 
if this is out of place, if this is in the life, let's throw myself under the bus here, if this is alive in the heart of a pastor, if he does not know who he is, he will always seek for his approval from the congregation. And so when God asks him to speak a certain thing, but it might make the congregation add, he will not mad. It will make the congregation mad, and he will not speak. So he will start speaking what, he, what those want to hear, where he looks for his identity. Can you see the danger? All right. Same is true for you. He's saying to you, I formed you. It is I who know you. Amen. Let's go on. How could Jeremiah push through all these obstacles? If we go one slide back again, please, um, Vessel, I would appreciate, uh, appreciate that. He says, I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. In his case, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, now I can't speak for every one of you. I don't know exactly how God wants to use you. He wants to use you to be a steward of the gospel. That's true for everyone. He wants you to carry the good news into your family for everyone. But in which way he uses you and your passions and your skills, I, I, I can't speak for everyone. But there's this moment when you come before God where he says, I consecrated you, I appointed you blank in this world. You are appointed. You are appointed by God. He's designed you in a way to make sure that you can fulfill every work that he has placed before you, before the foundations of the world. So not only are you his, he's also downloaded into you a very specific appointment. Okay, you've got a work, a great work, a good work to do. But it's very important because what defines you is not what you do. What defines you is who you are. One is more important than two because it comes before two. Well, they're both important. I don't mean to play them off against one another, but you can't move to two if you don't have one. Let's go to the next slide. Number one, he speaks peace to the storm of identity. Very important. And then he prophesies your divine purpose over you. Jeremiah, you are called to speak to these people, but Lord, they never listen. That's their story. What is your calling, Jeremiah? I'm called to speak to these people. Speak once more. Lord, they throw me in a pit. I'm out. Well, what shall I do? Shall, is this where it ends? What are you called to do, Jeremiah? I'm called to speak. So speak, Jeremiah, once more. And so he spoke. He never gave up. What about you? I know that this does not fall on a leaf when you walk under a tree and then you have your purpose. But in the word, certain things will start to excite you. It'll jump up. You know, you'll read the same passage as a friend and then you will see one angle and he will see another. Don't worry, it's just a boy. It's just a boy. The boy, you'll see one angle and he will see another because God is that puzzle piece wants to fit, and so.
And so when you consume scripture, when you pray, there's certain fires that always start in your heart. Now, if you think you got it and your friends say, man, 100%, I witness this with you, then it's another way God speaks because those surrounding you confirms because they can see from a different angle. And then when you do it, you feel alive. You just, okay. All right. God has a divine purpose for you. Now, what that means, very important, it's not that you should leave your job. No. But why you do your job and how you do your job is everything. Because your divine purpose is not to make petrol. Your divine people is, a purpose is to lead people to the cross. Therefore, how you make petrol with the people around you is very important. Your divine purpose is primary. It's sacred. It's, it's very sacred. It's, how he, it's almost like how he made you male or female. It's like he sacredly placed stuff in you. Now, you do many functional things out there. You teach in school. You work at Sassel. You work... Uh, in finances, it's a function, but your divine purpose underscores it, which interprets everything about how you work and on whose your eyes are at work. You have a divine purpose. Are you with me? All right. Let's go on. Some of you are getting excited. I can see that. Then I said, oh, Lord, Behold, I do not know how to speak, for I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say. You know, you know that's kind words. You know, these translators. It actually said, the shut up one, <laughs> you know. Don't speak. Do not say, I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them. I am with you, Jeremiah. I'm with you, Marius. I'm with you, Alvane Edeline. I'm with you, Eugene Nikita. I am with you. Don't be afraid. Shh. Okay? I want to speak straight. So, so this is going to offend you and me and then help us greatly. Is that okay? Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. A pot among earthen pots, because we compare ourselves with other pots, right? Does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or your work has no handles. You formed me in a way I am not satisfied. Shh. You are formed perfectly well. You are formed perfectly well in such a way that you can carry the purpose you are meant to carry beautifully. Now, this is easy to say, but let me tell you what. This is a matter of spiritual warfare. You have to fight this in the spirit. Because we have become slaves of where the wind blows. We need to stand and say, Lord, in prayer, I want to start establishing build up fight for who you made me to be and I'm sorry that I've backed off when I found one closed door. What have you called me to be in this town? 
Don't stop, all right? He's working in you. Number three, when God prophesies over you, God's words to you are able to silence every doubt within you. How do you carry on and never back down and never give up? Know who you are. Discover, okay, you'll never know. You'll discover more things about yourself. Ask omhoog when you're over 60. Okay, so don't feel bad that you don't know or have, have an objective perspective of every gift you have. Don't worry, but start walking in shoes that walks nice, all right? You can do that. It's, it's doable. And number three, he will always speak words over you to help you overcome and silence doubts, all right? But that, there you get, that's a battlefield in prayer that you need to overcome because you hear no, the Spirit says yes. God says you can do it. Your circumstances says no. So there is a standoff. And if you step into the place of prayer, especially with a friend, you can take that ground back. And that's why we are here. Amen? I believe in every one of you. Let's go on. We're almost there. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now, I'm not making a joke here, but the whole thing, the whole fear of public speaking, I don't know what to say. The fear of public speaking can be likened to our fears of truly and completely living out our callings. Where will you get the sustenance? Where will you get the words to say, the prayers to pray? Where will you get the compassion needed? I'll tell you where you'll get it. When he touches you. He puts his hands on you. Don't worry. He's not sending you out without rockets, all right? He's giving you what you need. I have put my words in your mouth, Jeremiah. And so we see there was a lot of words in that mouth. It never ceased. In the pit, out of a pit, in exile, before exile. He never stopped. Now there's something in your life, there's a connection to God. And I tell you, it can flow. It can really flow. Number four, he provides. And I said words there in brackets because some of you have very precious callings that requires Listen carefully, few words. Words are needed, but some of your callings require few words because you're going to embody a lot of things for God. But be ready when they ask, why are you so kind with my child? I experience the kindness of Jesus in my life. That enables me to love. Okay. So, I'm saying few words, but have them, have them near. But the point is that he provides what you need to accomplish. Our God will fulfill in each of our needs from his abundance. Amen. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to 
perform it. This is very important. This is very important. Listen up. When you are Jeremiah and you are before a closed door and you are speaking and they are cutting the words off, they are burning the scroll, whose job is it to cause their ears to open? God. God holds the hearts of men in, their, in his hands. So when I have spoken, if I'm Jeremiah, Lord, and they don't hear, and they put me in a pit, and I come out and I speak again, Lord, I will speak with everything in me, knowing it is you who can perform your word. That means after a good day of living your calling in Sassel, the school, wherever you are, after a good day of engaging with God and the people, and you know, you see some bad stuff. When people know you love God, they come to you with the worst of things. You know about all the divorce, you know all the poverty, you know about these things. But after you have done all you can do, you can sleep a good night's rest. It is God who will perform it. And maybe he will use you in a practical way. But when we experience those closed doors, we can go on because it is God who will perform it, not me. The last thing I want to say for tonight or the last point is simply God will do it. God will do it. Don't give up. God's words over you is so precious establishes, sends you out and help you to endure until the, your days on earth are completed. And some of the seeds that you will sow in this life, I know most of you guys are young. Some of us have many days left on this earth. Some of the seeds we sow in this life will grow after we've gone. He will perform it. Some of the seeds we sow, we will see. We will see them grow and bear fruit, and we will cry for gladness and thankfulness. Sometimes we will cry because we don't understand why the door is still closed. You pray, do what he tells you to do. He will do it in his time. Does that make sense? Now, where do we start? Just all this, let's just read through, through that. He speaks peace to the storm of identity. He gives you a divine purpose. It underscores your functional purpose in this world. God's words to you are able to empower, to overpower every doubt within you. And he gives the word that you should speak. So he enables your ministry and then he will do it just once to use you. Just once to use you. So where do we start, Shafa Sekunda? What, what, what do we do? What, what do we do with that? Do we try and build something on that? I think that's important, but let's take that with us and aim very clearly. Where do we aim? This is where we aim. This is where we put all of our attention. John 1 verse 14. And the Word became flesh. And he dwelled among us. We have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full 
of grace and truth. God's prophetic word, God's word became a man. And when we give our full attention to listen to his words and behold his life with humility, it points us in the right direction for where we should start. Even if we all look at Jesus, the same Jesus, we worship him, we lift him up, and we start to follow him, it will look different because we are made different. And he will unlock all those gifts. The reason I have this up here is because none of us are the word. We are not the word. Talking about prophecy, we want you guys to prophesy to one another. We want you guys to speak life. But let's remember where we fit in. The word came and lived and died. Therefore, we can go and do amazing work on this earth. Amen.